Welcome to the Bible Teachers, featuring sermons from around Australia. And here is today's presenter, Fine Power. Our scripture reading for today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. And the word of God says, For our affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. May the Lord bless his word. Our title is, The Best is Yet to Come. The Best is Yet to Come. Please bow your heads as I lead us in a word of prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, Lord, this is your time. We pray, Father, that you may please move upon the congregation that you may prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive the message which you have placed upon my heart. Lord, we come to you as we are, weak and feeble, helpless, but still hopeful, Father. We just pray, Lord, that you may convict us of our need, of our utter need for you. I pray, Lord, that you may speak through me and to me, that you may hide me behind the cross, Lord, and that the words which I speak may not be my own, but that it may come from the words of life, which has the power to save. We ask that you may forgive me, Lord, if I have wronged anyone in this place, and that you may use me, Lord, as a mouthpiece to speak between the living and the dead. I pray, Lord, that when all is said and heard, that we may leave here uttering just like Paul. For I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer, for we ask it in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. There is a story of a woman who was born blind. And this woman, when she got to an elderly age, she had to go into the doctor. And when she went into the doctor, remember she was blind. And she came to the doctor and and, and the doctor had diagnosed her with a terminal illness. She had been given a time period to live. Does that remind you of anyone in the Bible? King Hezekiah? You know, when you're given a time period to live, you do things differently. You pray more. You seek God's word and you seek his face more. And this woman, she had been doing that already. And so when she received that news from the doctor, she smiled. And the doctor said, ma'am, I said you will die in three months. And the lady said, doctor, I'm blind. I'm not deaf. (laughs) Yes. And she said to him, doctor, this world is not my home. I am just passing through. My home is way up beyond the blue. Can someone say amen? She, she, she loved God. She knew that when she went to sleep in Jesus, that there was something better which was yet to come. And so she went back home and the three month period had, had expired. And then she called the pastor and she said, Pastor, I want you to come to my home. I'm going to tell you what um, my will is before I pass away. So the pastor came, knocked on the door, and came into her house, and she said, Pastor, I want these hymns sung. I want this scripture reading read. I want to wear white. I want a Bible in my hand when I'm in the coffin. That's what she told the pastor. And the pastor says, yes, okay, I'll give that to you. We'll make, we'll make sure that is done. And just before the pastor left, the pastor said, do you want anything else? Is there anything else do you want me to do? And she says, one more thing, Pastor, one more thing. And she says, Pastor, I want you to bury me with this. And she reached into her pocket and she pulled out this. Yes, 
The elderly lady, blind, she says, Pastor, I want you to bury me with a spoon. And the pastor was confounded. Is there any pastors here? Have you ever received uh, news from your congregation uh, of something you've never seen before? When the pastor heard this, bury with your uh, spoon, he was confounded, perplexed. And he said to her, ma'am, why do you want to be buried with a spoon? And she said, pastor, come, I'll tell you. And she whispered into her ear. I will tell you very soon what she whispered. And the pastor, pastor went back and he started to cry. He said, this lady knew she had a better grasp of heaven than what he did. A few days passed and this lady, unfortunately, she had passed away. And the pastor was conducting the funeral and there was a coffin at the front of her. And uh, the pastor was standing right next to the coffin. And every member, her loved ones came past. And as they came past... They notice the white dress. They notice the Bible in her hand. And then they notice the spoon. And they went to the pastor and said, Pastor, there's a spoon in the coffin. They did not know. They did not know what, why the spoon was in the, in, the, in the coffin. And so the pastor says, I will tell you during the eulogy. I'll tell you during the eulogy. And so over and over again came to the pastor. And then the pastor, got, he got tired. And so he went to the eulogy. He said the eulogy. And he said... This woman, she loved the Lord. She studied his word. She prayed all the time. And he started to talk about the white dress. How she believed that God was able to purge her with hyssop. And that she was able to be clean. And that God was able to make her whiter than snow. And then she, he started to talk about the Bible and the word of God. How she loved the word of God. How she, she went from home to home. Wherever she went, she held the Bible in her pocket to to. to to make sure that she memorized in her brain so that when Satan comes, that she was able to withstand the wiles of the devil. And then she got to the spoon. I mean, he got to the spoon. And the congregation sat up. The spoon. And he said that when he went to her house, he was perplexed. He said, why the spoon? And he told the congregation, she whispered into my ear, she said, Pastor, in all my years... Of attending Sabbath school. In all my years of attending divine service. When we went to potluck after the divine service. Whenever the dishes was cleaned and the tables were emptied. We knew that dessert was the next thing on the menu. And someone would inevitably lean over and say. Hold on to your spoon. The best is yet to come. She knew what it meant to sleep in the Lord. She knew that despite her dying, that there was a better place. There was someone, Jesus Christ himself, who was going to come in the clouds of glory and who was going to receive her. Do you believe that Jesus is coming soon? Do you believe that heaven is very near? That it is knocking at the door and it is soon to come in? The Bible tells us that in Psalms 30 verse 5, sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. If I could ask a question, has anyone lost someone here? Someone they love? I personally, myself, I've, I've lost parents, uh, grandparents, and I long for that day. I long for that day when I would be able to see them. I long for the day when there will be no night there. Whenever I hear these promises from the word of God, I just praise the Lord because I want to be there. 
I want to see my loved ones there. There will be no night there. There will be no more white hair there. I have white hair as well. No white hair there. No more wrinkled skins there. We're going to have beautiful bodies. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, we are told by Paul, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and we shall all be changed. The truth of the matter is not all of us are going to die. And I want to be within that. that I want to hear the song of the redeemed. I want to sing that. I want to stand um, just as we were learning last week, who shall be able to stand? Ephesians 6.10 tells us, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The battle is real, but my God is real as well. And when we call upon him in the day of trouble, he is able to deliver us and we will glorify him. If you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, we're going to touch a bit on, about heaven and about what is yet to come. And I'm going to lead us into evangelism and outreach and the, um, the importance of having a character like Christ manifested in the church. And I'm going to share with you some stuff on my canvassing trip, which I went to. And I truly, I'll share with you some beautiful stories. Um, which I believe that will bless you as well. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, But as it is written, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So we notice that in verse 9 we are told, But as it is written, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And I know that the reason why you're here is because you love God. And you know what? God loves you as well. You know, whenever we go to the doors, I, I, we went to a door once and um, there was a person that said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. Uh, and I was with a friend and my friend said, but God believes in you. He believes that you can have victory over sin. He believes that you are able to break your addictions and serve him wholeheartedly. And so when I look at this verse, I truly believe that whenever you see beautiful pictures of heaven, whenever you hear a preacher or a pastor speak about heaven, that it is minuscule compared to what God has prepared for you, if that makes sense. And we are told by Sister White that it, no tongue has uttered, no pen has portrayed, nor has mind conceived the things which God has prepared for you. And it's a beautiful thing, heaven. It is a beautiful thing. And I, I was actually speaking with a friend, and a friend told me there will be free surprises in heaven. Does anyone know what that is? <laughs> That's one of them. One of them will be, you, you will see people who you thought, man, that person was never heaven bound. You thought. The second will be that there will be people there that you knew who should have been there but weren't there. And then the third one will be that you are there. And so um, when I think of heaven, I truly believe that, man, God is preparing a place for us. And he's saying, my child, let not your heart be troubled. We live in such a troubled world. 
you know, fam- things happen with family and we news all around us. We find that calamities are near and far and we can become troubled. But when I read God's word and when I, when I study God's word, it tells me what time you are afraid. Trust in me, God says. When you are afraid, trust in me. Furthermore, in, um, in the book, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, if you can turn there, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, we see that Abraham was looking for something. And my question, which I want to pose to you is, what are you looking for? When you come to church, when you go out in society, what are you looking for? And we see what Abraham was looking for. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, when you get there, you can say amen. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, we are told, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And I love verse 13 because it says of Abraham and Sarah and all of them, it says that these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Question, are you persuaded? Are you persuaded? Have you been persuaded that we are living at such a time where we need to get our hearts right with the Lord? And we see that as they were persuaded, they could not hold it to themselves. They had to go out and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And does anyone know what a stranger or a pilgrim is? What is a stranger or a pilgrim? And do they fit in society? <laughs> but God has called us to be a peculiar people, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And in everything that we do, people ought to be drawn closer to the cross. And there is still room there. For another sinner just like you or I. And so now I want to go on to trials. Because you know, when we think of heaven, we're not going to get there easily. You know, there's a term, walk in the park. It's not a walk in the park to go to heaven. Would you agree? I truly believe that it's tough. I've been, I've been in this Christian walk for two or three years. I truly converted Adventist. And... I have noticed that whenever I serve the Lord or whenever I get up to preach, the week before or the week which was coming, Satan attacks most vehemently. And you know what? Satan will never, let, he'll never, he'll never, um, he will never stop assailing you or assaulting you until you have gone to sleep. And that tells me the opposite side as well because God never gives up on his children. He's always running after them. Whenever you think of the lamb which went, went astray from the fold, he went running after him. And I was hearing a testimony from a friend. He said that he got entangled in worldly affairs. He was in the church, in the world, in the church, in the world. And it got to the point where God had to break his leg. The sheep. Break his leg so that he could not wander from the fold. And sometimes God has to do that. He has to take us through trials. That it, I, I truly believe that even in trials, that's when we truly feel our need for God. We pray more. We do things more sincerely. And it is, the challenge is when we come out of the trial that we become complacent. That we stop praying. But God is trying to teach us a lesson. If you go to James chapter 1 verse 12. James chapter 1 verse 12. 
Is everyone following me? Our title, The Best, is yet to come. We're talking about heaven and the beautiful stuff that we will see there. But we know that as, as Christians walking in this way towards heaven, that there is going to be some trials. There's going to be some narrow way experiences. But we ought to, in that experience, call, upon, call out on, upon God and have him rescue us. So if you get to James 1.12, can you say amen? Then I know that you are there. Amen. In James chapter 1, verse 12, we are told, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, what does the Bible say? He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord have promised to them that love him. Do you see a reoccurring theme? We read in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, those who love him, we come again, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And so my question is, what does it mean to love God? Because you have love which is in the world, then you have love which is according to the word of God. And so what is love? What is love? Sorry? Yes. Stolje, philia, eros. And agape. And which one did God? Agape. And what is agape? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you a story. There's a story of this big, big church. And in this church, the pastor was going to make a transition to another church. And so on this particular Sabbath, the pastor was going to come into this church. And all the members knew. And on this Sabbath, there was a homeless man. I've told this story to some of the youth, I'll tell again. There was a homeless man who walked into the sanctuary, and he came and sat at the the front of the the pew, at the front. And we're talking about love. This man came, sat at the the front of the pew, and the deacons came to to the homeless man and said, Excuse me, sir, that is reserved for the deacons. And the homeless man got up, And he started walking to find a place next to some of the church members. And one of the church members put their bag next to him. And the homeless man went to another church member. Do you have any money? And I don't have any money. And this man, he went all the way to the back. And a family walked in with a little child. And the child waved at the homeless man. And the parents said, don't wave at him. He went and sat at the back of the pew. And while he was sitting there, they had announcements, all the personal ministries and so forth was, was telling what they, what they needed for that day. And the, then there came the last announcement, which was, uh, the pastor is here in the congregation, um, and he is here right now in the congregation, and we're just going to call him forth. And um, the pastor got up and started to walk forward. And all the eyes were fixed on this man. He was walking down the pew, and he came. And he stood in the pulpit and he said, church, turn to Matthew 25. It was the homeless man. He had disguised himself as a homeless man. He just wanted to see how loving his church was. The homeless man came and stood in the pulpit. And in Matthew 25, he read, oops, sorry about that. Matthew 25, and he read in verse 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. 
And when I heard that story, I could not but help but ask the question, when someone walks into the church and they look different, they smell bad, do I separate myself from them or do I go and show them the love of God which they came to the sanctuary to find? The Bible says in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye love one another. And I always read that verse like this. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye love one another. The Bible says, and even the Greek, it says if you have love. Not if you love one another, but if you have love. And I had to think, and um, I said, Lord, please help me. How, what, is this, what is this text saying? And I came to the conclusion that if, what is love? What is love? 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So what it means to have love is to have God. And so if you have God, then you start loving one another. That's logical. Simple, right? And so when someone comes in, friends, and you've never met them before, just go and say hello. How's your week been? And I know that despite what we can put up when we come to church, that God truly understands. And he can use you to reach them. God needs a loving church. And I remember I was sitting in a children's uh, children story back home. This was last year. And I was listening to the children's story and it dawned upon me something which my cousin said. They were talking about love and they were talking to the little children. And at this time, I was going through a time where I, was, I had this immense hatred for someone in my family. I had a hatred in my heart. And my cousin said, think about the person you hate the most. And I had to think upon my mind. I said, man, i got a lot of people that I hate. And I'm, I'm human. I hate people. And so when, 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 children, when they were doing the children's story, my cousin said, think about the person you hate the most. That's how much you love Jesus. And it dawned upon me. Lord, have mercy. If there is anything which God's church need, it's a love for people. A love for people. And so I'm going to go into evan- in terms of evangelism. When you think of evangelism, what is the foundation of evangelism? Love. And if someone says, where is the verse? What would you say to them? Yes. And that's a beautiful verse. Let's, let's quote it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And so when we look at love, love gives, correct? But does love also take as well? Does love take as well? Would you think of a little child, they have toys and then they have a knife next to them. Is it, is it love to take away the knife or to leave it? So could you say that love not only gives, but it takes? And my question is, what did God take if it's love? Our sins. If we confess them. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is conditions. And God brings us to the point where we are able to confess and we don't confess to a man. Amen? We confess to God. And He is faithful, the Bible says. 
And, and you may be seeing in the congregation, you know, you may have done bad things. But there is no sin too big for God. He is able to forgive all if we are able to confess. In, um, now I'm going to share with you some stuff on my evangelistic um, trip canvassing. And before we get into there, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us, For the love of Christ constrains me. Some translations say, compel me. And so when I think of the love of God, I in and of myself, I don't like preaching. I'll tell you the truth. I don't know why I'm in theology. Uh, My uncle actually registered me to come to college. I did not want to come. He enrolled me. I just came. And wherever I go, whenever I do outreach, I, I don't like doing it. I, I tell you that I don't like doing it because it's just this, this weakness I have. I always sweat, always sweat, and I hate being, you know, sweaty. And um, the, the thing, I, it's just, I, I was telling my friend, I said, man, I, I think it's the thorn in my flesh. I truly is. I've been praying for God, God, please take away my sweat, but he doesn't take it away. And my friend said, maybe it's to keep you humble. And maybe it is to keep you humble. But in terms of evangelism, we find that um, there's a quotation from NLI which I love very dearly. She says in Last Day Events, page 282, paragraph 3, she says that there will be no soul saved in the kingdom of glory. Wait, let me do that again. There will be no one saved in heaven with a starless crown. If you enter therein, there will be some soul in the courts of glory which hath found entrance there through your instrumentality. And so when I read that, that makes soul winning or outreach important to me. And I said that to a friend and he says, hey, that's that's works-based theology. And I disagree due to the fact that if you're not doing anything, that doesn't demonstrate that you love God. And so I told him that and then he said, so what about the thief on the cross? He didn't win any souls. And then I had to tell him, I said, my brother, when the criminal was conversing with Jesus, people was hearing him. Even today, we read those words from the criminal on the cross and we can have hope that even in our death, we can give our lives to God. He was preaching on the cross, a criminal. And so I'll just turn this on. Okay, and in Daniel chapter 12, um, 2 and 3, we are told, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And verse 3 says, And and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And so, I'd like to share with you some of my canvassing trip. And I truly believe that you'll be blessed because he was in Tamworth. And I know a brother is from Canada here. So um, it, was, it was a blessing in Tamworth. I'll just show you some pictures. This was the first week. We had um, from the right to the left. Harley is a theology student. This man here is a university student. Uh, this African brother right here, he studies construction. He's 19. He was the youngest out of all of us. This man, he cleaned banks, vacuumed banks. This young brother here, he was a Bible worker from Queensland. Then you had me, and then you had a retiree. And the reason why I point to you about all of these people was that when you look at Jesus' disciples, they were not all fishermen. They came from a variety of places. 
So you have a theology student, you have a, a, a boy who does not do anything with theology, but felt the call to do canvassing. This young fellow, I have to tell you a story about this man. Does anyone know how the canvassing work began? It began with God, but how in, in the Adventist church, does anyone know how the canvassing work began? I'll tell you the story. In 1880, Elder James White, he was presenting a sermon at Battle Creek College, uh, the Battle Creek Church there. And as he, was, um, as, as he finished his sermon, um, there was a man and a woman in the congregation called uh, Richard and Holder Goldsmark. And he said to them, I want to talk to you after we finish, um, once the crowd goes. And so he started to talk with them. And he said to them, um, I have this man at my house. He's been staying there for two weeks. I do not know what to do with him. He wants to be a preacher, but I cannot see any preaching material in him. I'm being serious. This is what Elder James White said. This man, he'd been staying at his house for two weeks. He didn't have any education. He was illiterate. He um, had, um, what's it called, stuttering. He stuttered. And he said, if you can take him in, take him to your farm, work in the farm, and when he's finished, we can put him in a tent and he can live by himself. And um, this family decided to come to Elder James White's house, came to Elder James White's house and picked up this tall, skinny man. And he had clothes which was pretty rough and dirty, and they took him to their home. Um, And he said his name is King, George King, first canvasser of the SDA church. The publishing, yeah, if you understand what I mean. And so he took, took him to his house. And when he took him to his house, he, stood, he, um, he, he lodged in a room across from his son. And the son would always say, I always wake up at the sound of his prayers. His earnest prayers. I, he woke up all the family. But yet he did not know how to preach. And so one Sabbath morning, they decided, George King, you're going to present your first sermon. There was going to be a trial to see if he was a preacher. And so when the time came for him to preach, three or four hours, like the whole day, he was just spending in earnest prayer in the barn. It was winter. It was cold. He didn't want to eat. He went and he started praying, praying, praying. And he came and he presented his sermon and his sermon was short and it did not have any direction. And so he was disappointed. He started to cry and he pleaded with the families there. He says, family, please pray for me that God's will may be done. And so Richard Godsmark, he, he decided that I will fund you by getting you literature, tracks. And he gave the man tracks, George King, and George King put tracks in his pocket, full of tracks, and he had a sachet, and he had a, a purse of $2. And he went out with $2. And from Monday to Friday, they, they said, we'll find him on Friday or Sabbath morning. They came to Friday, didn't find him. Sabbath wasn't there. And then they went to church and they found George King in the church. And he was happy and joyful because he knew what the Lord had done for him. He had gained 62 cents. He was a happy man. 62 cents. So the very next day he went again. $2.62. And that is how our canvassing work actually began. A man who Elder James White could find nothing in him, a preaching material, but he was a fireside preacher. He, he wanted to go from house to house. And the first book to be sold was Thoughts on Daniel and Revelation. That was the first book to a man named Devis. Yes. And so the reason why I said that was because this man here in the middle, 19 years old, he stutters. And I, when I was talking with him, I was saying, 
what in the world is he doing doing canvassing? He stutters. And I had to bite my tongue when I spoke to him because, man, it was, it was so, so bad. But then God had to speak to my heart and he said, Finne, whenever were you worthy? Whenever were you worthy? And so I went to the door with this, with this young man and he went to the door and I'm telling you the truth. This is what he says. Ha, 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 hi. And I had to stand back and I said, Lord, please speak for him. And at the end of the day, I tell you the truth, this boy can sell books. He came to a house where this lady was there and she was an ex-Adventist and she was drinking. And he, as you can see, he has two bags. He has one bag here, one canvassing bag there. And in his bag, he has a Bible. He never leaves without taking his Bible. So he came to this ex-Adventist lady and she was drinking and she said she wanted to overcome. And he said he got out his Bible and started to preach the word to her. And I was saying, man, that is, it's crazy what God can do for you when you are willing. It is crazy what God can do for you when you are willing. And so this young man, I have so much respect for him due to the fact that is the last thing you, you can think of, God, do canvassing when you have a lisp, when you stutter. But praise God that God can use the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. This is in the car. And um, as you know, um, there's this Cobbleton ministry with this man carrying books and an angel standing beside him. And we are told by the Sister White that whenever we utter the name of Jesus at the doors, angels draw near. And if God could take away the veils from our eyes, if God took take away the veils from our eyes, we will truly see the great controversy raging at every door. And so we pray. And this is our second week. We had more um, girls come along. Um, and um, they um, truly were a blessing. Truly were a blessing. We came to this big guitar. And um, it was called the Golden Guitar in Tamworth. And we decided, just like the free Hebrew boys, that we would stand for the Lord in this community. And we prayed over it and we went. We went to Tamworth Library, and during lunchtime, we decided to go to the library, and um, as you can see, it was hot. And um, I'll tell you the truth, it was 46 degrees the first day, and the lowest it got was 33. And you know, me and the sun, we don't get along very well, so I was going from door to door, and I was sweating. My clothes was drenched, it looked like I'd been in a swimming pool. But God's still blessed. And one night, just before we went to the library, we were casting lots because um, these, um, these books were given to us from a previous LE and we decided to get all the books which we like. And I got all the Spirit of Prophecy books. I got Ministry of Healing and Steps to Christ. And so we decided when we went to the library that we would go to the youth section and we went to the youth section and we placed Steps to Christ in the youth section. We said, if we can do anything for the Lord, even if it's during lunch, then we're going to do it. So he put Steps to Christ there, and then I found this big um, podium where all these very well-known model, um, novels were there, and I put Ministry of Healing. And, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see what God does for, for those books. Uh, food. Does anyone know what this is? Huh? Wow, you know what it is. We were parking next to this big tree, and then we found this, um, this carob tree, and we just started to... We, we praise the Lord because um, one of the nights we went fasting. We, we didn't have any food to eat. And you find that in the beginning of the literature ministry work that um, our canvases, they didn't have much to eat. They slept on the floor and so forth. But we got food from the Lord. He, we started picking all these, uh, these carobs from this tree and we just started eating them. 
Um, and apparently to some, some people, the, the Greek word acris, which is locust, um, is believed that they ate, John the Baptist ate honey and uh, acris, which is the carob. And if you've never tasted carob, it's a beautiful food. And um, I don't know about you, when I get to heaven, I want to taste the 12 manners of fruit. Look at this, champagne watermelon. I've never seen it before. But um, yeah, it wasn't genetically modified as well. That's what they said. And we found olives as well. Canvassing dogs. You know my fear of dogs? This dog right here, it kept running around me, eh? It kept running around me, so I decided to take a picture. But this was a, a very beautiful dog. Can anyone see any, anything about this dog? Sorry? Now you can see it. Can you see it? He had three legs. And we decided to come up to this dog. And there was two dogs in the yard. And one of the dogs ran away. But this dog held its ground and kept barking, barking, barking. And it was an object lesson to me that sometimes the people who are the most weakest stand up for the Lord. People who are most weakest. Three-legged dog. I'll tell you a story now. I'll give you three stories and then I'll finish. Three stories, then I'll finish. Is that okay? Wonderful. I came to this door and I knocked on this door and uh, this Aboriginal lady came to, me, uh, to the door and I looked into her eyes and her eyes were blue, literally blue. And I was wondering, does she have contacts or is that her ordinary eyes? So I didn't ask, but I told her what I, we were doing. I said, we're doing a special health work in the community. I'll let you have a look what we're doing. And once I was canvassing the books, all of a sudden she says, ah, no, hey. And I was like, oh, she is deaf. I've never canvassed someone who had an um, a auto, audio deficiency. And so me not thinking, reflecting back on it, I continued to canvass the books. I don't know why, but I continued to canvass the books. And I went down to the drop down, which was Steps to Christ, Great Controversy and the health book. And I put it into her hand. And as she was looking, she, she, she noticed something about it. She turned the book and she went, <gasps> and I was like, she's pointing at Jesus Christ. So she went into her home, and she went into her home and got a notepad, and she came outside, and she wrote, I am a Christian on the, on the notepad. And then I replied, because she couldn't hear, I said, I'm a Christian too. We are leaving these books on a small donation of any amount. Are you able to help? No, no, no. And then I said, would you read these books? And she says, <laughs> and she went inside. I thought I'd just share that with you because I found that a, a, a truly blessed experience. Um, we, don't, we don't truly see what God is able to do with any literature. I've seen many people come to the Lord just as a result of walking on the street and seeing a literature just flow by and come to the Lord. Another story. I'll leave that one for another time. I met this man. His name was Brian. And he was a, he, he, he was a staunch Catholic. He, he, just, he, he was not able to be moved. And I said, sir, we're doing a special health work. And I started to canvass him, Ministry of Healing, Desire of Ages. And he really loved the books. And he, so he told me, come to the back of the yard and I'll show you some paintings. And we went to the back and we, he told me I was allowed to take pictures. Um, but it was beautiful due to the fact that um, he accepted Ministry of Healing and Desire of Ages. Those two books are powerful books. It's able to change people's lives. Another one, I'm not advocating soda drinking. But I came to this, to this house, I was knocking, and this man took five minutes to come to his door, so I decided I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave, and as I came out of the door, he came out of the side, and he said, what do you want? What do you want? 
And I came back and he was a very impatient man, very angry, very angry. And he said that this devil was possessing him. That's the exact words he was saying to me. This devil was possessing me and it just makes me impatient. I had a stroke just the other week and I just came out of the hospital. And I asked the question, so, so, did you have the impatience before the stroke or after the stroke? And then we just started to talk for a good half an hour. And then after half an hour, he said to me, we exchanged names. He said, Fine, you're a very good listener. You're a very good listener. And after that, he said, how much do you charge for consultation? And I said, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm not a counselor. I'm a theology student. I go to college. And we kept talking for another 30 minutes. He said, I'm not going to take any books. I'm not going to take any books. At the end, he did. Uh, he said to me, Finney, you're very persistent. You have a devious and cunning mind. That's what exact words he said. You have a devious and cunning mind. So he went inside. And as he went inside, he says, do you want um, Coke? Or I said, oh, no, I'll be fine. He said, do you want orange? And I thought in my head, orange juice. So I said, yes, bring me orange juice. And he, bring, he gave me sun kiss. And I put it in my bag because I was not going to drink that. But uh, we started to talk and talk. And then he, he took the book, Great Controversy. And we took a picture together. And as I left, he said, you have revived me. You have revived me. And I was like, sometimes all people need is someone for, to, to listen to them speak, to listen to them talk. Take time to speak with him. And so as I left, he said, my eyes have been opened. My eyes have been opened. I, and, I praise, and I praise the Lord. Our last story, this is probably one of the, the best stories I've ever had. But I praise God that it happened. Does uh, anyone know what this book is? Yes, Steps to Christ in big print. It's called Peace Above the Storm. And our first day, 46 degrees, we went from house to house. And um, the books which was given to me, I did not know how to canvas. So I told the pastor who came with me from the Tamworth Church, I said, could you get, go to your home and, and, and get me some, some books to canvas? And so he went and he got the books which I was acquainted with. And one of those books was Peace Above the Storm. And when he gave me Peace Above the Storm, the book was damaged. And I don't know, the canvases here, you would know that whenever you get a, a book which is damaged, it makes it harder to sell. And so when he gave it to me, I looked around, along the spine and it was black. It was just not in good condition. So on Monday, I tried to canvas the book. No one, no one bought it. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, nothing happened. And so we finished at 12 because at 12 we get ready for the Sabbath. And so at 12 o'clock, they said, we're going to finish. This is your last street. And on this last street, sell a book. Have a divine experience. Pray for a divine appointment. And I started to pray. And along the street, I came to a door. A man came to the door. And uh, I canvassed the books. There's three little books. He took the books and he shut the door very quickly. I couldn't ask for a donation. That happened to me twice on the same street. And I... I, when I canvass, we are told by the servant of the Lord that we shouldn't go backwards. We should go forwards. And so even when we're selling, we, I like to give away free books. But at the same time, I know that when people place a value on the book, that they're more inclined to read it. And so when I gave out six books, I was saying, man, I don't usually give out free books. But this particular day on a Friday before the Sabbath, this was what was happening. And so I went to the next house and I gave away another free book. Seven free books. And as I was praying, I said, Lord, help me get one more. Give me a divine experience, please, Lord. 
And I went from door to door knocking, said, someone is praying for me. Someone is praying for me. And I came to this door. And this man was sitting outside, and he didn't have any shirt on. He was sunburned. He was drinking alcohol, and he had a smoke in his hand. He was just about to light. And I came to him, and I said, sir, my name is Finney. We're doing a special health work in your community. I'll let you have a look. He says, what do you want? What do you want? And when someone speaks like that, I you have the, the proclivity or the inclination to respond or to retaliate. And I had been memorizing a verse, Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. And so that was in my mind. And I came to him and said, sir, we're doing a special health work. He says, go to the next house. I'm not interested, not in the mood. I don't drink at this time. Go. And I stood there and I was saying, wow, in my head. I was saying, wow. Then just before I left, I said to him, sir, is there anything I can do for you? And then he said, if you could, I would tell you, go to the next house. And just at that moment, the spirit convicted me, you have peace of the storm in your bag. It will be a useful book for him. So I reached into my bag, and hesitatingly, this is going to be the eighth free book I'm going to give away. So I pulled it out of my bag, and I said, Sir, this is a gift for you. It talks, it's, it's called Peace About the Storm, 13 Steps to Freedom from Worry, Guilt, and Fear. And all of a sudden, he looked at the book, he looked at me, and then he looked up into the sky, and he says, God works in mysterious ways. And I stood confounded. I was saying, you're drinking alcohol, you're smoking, and then you say this to me. And then we started to talk. And we exchanged names. This is half the story. We exchanged names. And he said his name was Greg. My name was Finney. I said, sir, I have to go to the next door. It's almost 12 o'clock. We're going to go. And so I left him. And I walked and finished off two free houses of, of my street. And then we crossed over and worked back to another LE. And I went to the second house. No one there. First house, no one there. Crossed the street. No one was there. And then I went to the house directly opposite from this man. And just as I was going to go in, there was another dog barking at me. And I decided I'm not going in there. The man came out. And as I was speaking with this man, I could hear my name being uttered. Finne, Finne. And in my mind, I was saying, no way in the world is this man calling me to come across from the street. So I started to talk, and he rejected me very quickly, and I turned, and as I turned, I quickly glanced over to the street, and he was reading the book. And he said, come, come. And so I crossed the street. I came to him, and he said, I am so sorry. I was so rude. And in my mind, straight away, I knew God never gives people peace. When they reject God's people, he never gives them peace. And so this man felt in his heart, he says, you know what, come inside, I'll give you something to drink. And he said, coffee, coke, water. And I said, water please, water please. I went inside and this time he said, beer, coffee or water. And I said, water please. And he gave me water and we started to talk, started to converse. And as we were talking, he started to reveal to me, a hint of what he was going through. He said just two weeks ago, he lives with his friend just two weeks ago that his friend's son had died through suicide. And I said, man, this is a divine appointment. You need this book. This book will change your life. And he said, I'll read this book. And we started to talk about why if God is good 
in an evil world, where is God? He, he knew that he was going through trials. He knew that he was going through storms in his life and that he just needed peace. And we started to talk about that and it got to the point where he started telling me, why do you do this work? And I told him, I do this work because I meet people just like yourself who are going through a hard time and who, who desperately need true peace of mind. And so I started to talk to him about that and he says, do you judge people? And I told him, I said, every morning I have to pray, God, please, may people see Jesus in my countenance. May people see Jesus in me, that I don't even have to talk, but the way in which I live, my lifestyle, is a sermon. And I told him, I do this work because I meet people like yourself who desperately need help and who need a savior. And we finished at that, and he said, can you, um, oh, while we were speaking, I forgot to say, we had a walkie-talkie and a phone. My LE leader, he called me on my phone while we were speaking, and I picked up my phone, and I answered my phone, and I said, hello, hello, I could not hear anyone while we were speaking. And my walkie-talkie was on, and I could see him outside on the walkie-talkie trying to, to contact me, but my walkie-talkie wasn't working. It was on. And I was confounded. I was saying, what in the world is God doing? He didn't want any discommunication just between me and him we were speaking. And what happened was, just before I left, he said, Finne, can you write your name in this book and your number? I want to call you up one day. And so I wrote my name in the book and I wrote my number. And just before I left, I said, sir, can I pray for you? And he held his silence just for five seconds and he said, yes, you can pray for me. You can. And we started praying. And I truly believe, and we are told by Sister White as well, at the sound of fervent prayer, the host of hell tremble. And I started praying for this man. And this man truly felt enlightened. And he, he started to have a tear in his eye as well. And just as I left, he said, don't be surprised if I don't call you one of these days. Don't be surprised if I do not call you one of these days. And I still haven't received the call, but when he calls me, I pray that God may give me the words to speak to him. And so when I went back into the van, I started to play with the phone and the walkie-talkie, and it started working. And I couldn't believe this. Even everyone at all the campuses as well couldn't believe it. But in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm, God was saying, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And so whatever trials you are going through, friends, whatever storms you may be going through, I want to encourage you. Do not be fearful for what tomorrow may hold, because God is already there. He is already there. And um, we are actually told by Jesus in Revelation 2.25, hold fast till I come. Keep holding on to Jesus Keep looking unto him who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we will find that at the end of the day, that we may hear the voice of God saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so I pray that our prayer may be that of Paul when he came to the end of his life. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me 
at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. So I pray that God may bless you, and that we may hold on to Jesus, and hold on to one another, that we may prepare to meet our God, because the best is yet to come. God bless you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us, Lord, at this moment. We pray, Lord, that your word may not fall to the ground, but that it may take solace, Lord, in our hearts. Lord, we ask that we may continue singing, that we may continue praising your name until you come, Father. But until then, Lord, help us to be faithful. Faithful unto death, knowing that you will give us a crown of life. We pray, Father, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon your members. And that we may leave here knowing, Father, that you are coming soon and that you want to receive us. We thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's listen to Reggie and Lady Love Smith with that beautiful song, We Shall Behold Him. i
This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.